We're in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and uh, the first few verses here, the first four verses, and these are some beloved, familiar words depicting our Savior and depicting what it means to follow him, to love him, and giving us that call to endure as his faithful disciples. Let's read Hebrews 12, the first four verses. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's pray and ask God to be with us. Father, would you speak through your word, speak to our hearts, guide our thoughts, send your spirit to add your blessing and your power and your, um, your presence to our study of your word. And we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Savior and King. Amen. It's, it's easier to make a good beginning than it is to, make, to finish well. It's, uh, it's so much easier to start off with a lot of energy and to make, things, uh, make some big changes and to, to move some things at first. But carrying through is the challenge, at least it is for me in so many areas. But I think of a young mother who came and started attending our church and she was uh, uh, committed to beginning to really grow in her faith in Christ. And then a few years later, we're going over the membership list and we come to her name and we can't remember seeing her around recently. Some of us didn't even know who she was and so we had to make that call and we called her up and said, hey, we haven't seen you. We, we're going to be taking your name off the active list and putting you on the inactive list. And uh, we'd love it if you could come back and rejoin the fellowship. And she got alarmed. And next thing you know, on Sunday, there she is. She's with us and she was faithful and she was continuing on. It, 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 uh, it's easier to make the beginning, but it takes effort to follow through. I think of a middle-aged businessman <clears throat> Um, with a lifetime of anger and broken relationships and destructive habits. And he discovered the gospel, and his life changed. And uh, then he discovered that that lifetime, that history, was still with him, and he had a long struggle ahead of him. I was just with him in a Bible study a couple weeks ago, and it's so encouraging to see him still walking with the Lord. But it's a fight every time he opens the Bible every time he gathers with his friends. You just hear the struggle. You hear the fight. You hear the humility and the difficulty. Following through is hard. <clears throat> the book of Hebrews is written to believers who have made a good start and they've made good progress and they've made a good name for themselves 
but the writer is concerned that they won't follow through. He's concerned that they're ready to back out, that they're ready to give in. And so the book is really written to urge them to endure and to persevere. And uh, he says, you need to persevere. That's exactly what he says in chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. He says, <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so we need to persevere. So this is the, the pinnacle of the book. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not preaching a series, I'm just cherry-picking the best part for you this morning. And uh, the, the book of Hebrews, the first 10 chapters, is all about the better things, the better priest, the better representative of God, the better revelation, the better uh, offering that we have, the better promises, the better hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And then chapter 11, such a favorite chapter. What's it all about? It's about those old covenant believers who didn't have these better things, but they trusted, they waited, they believed the promises, they endured, they held on. And so then you come to our verses today, and he says, so you, you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, run, don't look back, endure. And so that's, that's where we are. It's the call to endurance of the whole book of Hebrews. And it is set forth in such memorable words in this little passage that they just stay with us. It rings in our hearts. You're not saved by enduring, but you're not saved without enduring. Our salvation is by grace, by grace alone, through faith alone. And it's all the work of Christ. But no one who receives that free gift is unchanged. No one who receives that gift reaches the end without a life of struggle and victory over sin. And so the faith which saves is not alone. We're saved by faith alone, but the safe that faith that saves is not alone. And so we're going to see here in this passage where he's writing to challenge the believers to endure. We're going to see the motives, the motives to endure, the motives to persevere. He's stirring them up to continue on in their fight. And the means. He gives them guidance. He shows us how. He shows us what to do in order to persevere and endure in the fight. So the first motive is the great crowd. He calls it the cloud of witnesses. He says in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and we shouldn't read too much into the word cloud as if it's some kind of spiritual way of talking, it's used in Greek and some different writings. When they're talking about a lot of people, they would call them clouds of people. We don't talk about crowds that way, but the idea is that 
it's a whole lot of people who are gathered together. And the, the crowd he's talking about is all the people who were listed and referred to in chapter 11. All of those faithful servants who went before. And um, they, they witnessed to you of the faithfulness of God by their life. And the testimony of their lives is written for us to read. They witnessed to you. And now they're in the stands and they're witnessing you. They're witnessing your race. So in two ways, they're a cloud, a crowd of witnesses who are surrounding you. And so as we move on, we see the ruling metaphor, the illustration that's being used here is the illustration of the games. We're at the games, like the Olympic games of, of old. Uh, it's, you know, the contest, you know, wherever the Greeks would go, they would build a stadium because they had to have their, their gymnasium and their, their games and all the, the things that they would do. Uh, the races were a big part of it. And that's what this is. It's about a race. So he says, we're surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, so let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's an endurance race. <clears throat> you know, the sprint. I'm, I'm not a runner. I've nev never been a track person. I'm not that. I don't know what it is. Um, but I'm told that sprinting is about nerves. And you, you run on nervous energy. But the marathon is a slog. And you push and you keep pushing and you push harder and, and the, the gravity and the wind and your exhaustion, they push back. And so it takes endurance. It takes perseverance. And that's what the illustration is. We're in, we're in a marathon and the crowd is roaring. The people are saying, go on, go on, keep going, keep going. They're standing by the side of the road and urging you forward. And... Uh, the crowd is your motive. And they, they uh, give you that sense of urgency, the sense of importance in your run. Don't forget to look in the Old Testament and see their witness. To look in the New Testament and see the witness of that crowd of witnesses around you. Hey, you come to church and there are some witnesses here and they encourage you in your race. They help you keep going. So then uh, moving on, he, he's given us the motive, but then there's the means. How does he encourage us to endure? He says, if you're going to finish this race, you're going to have to lay aside. Lay aside every weight. Runners in a marathon, they, they're careful about what they eat. They're careful about what they wear. They're so careful about their shoes. They are um, <coughs> they're focused on their their habits, their, um, their practice habits, uh, and they don't want any distractions. So they, they uh, lay aside anything that's going to hinder. And so for us, we need to throw off. We need to lay aside the things that are going to hinder us. The time wasters, the things that just eat up our energy, 
the stuff that we accumulate that just weighs down our minds and our hearts, uh, the concerns about money. Jesus described these as thorns which grow up and choke the seeds so that it never bears fruit. We have to be ready to weed some of these things out of our lives. The concern about our reputation. It's good to have a good name, but it's better to be good. And uh, so we, ha- we can't be too concerned about our, how people see us, um, our recreation, our enjoyment. Sin entangles us. He says that sin clings so closely. Ever since our first father fell, we as his children, we have his same tendency and we fall into sin so easily. But he says every weight and sin. So there are some things that are not sins, but they're weights. And there are some things that are sins that we should leave and put behind us and lay aside. So some things, they may be legitimate and good, but they'll pull us aside. And we need to be ready to lay them aside. One way we see people dropping out of the race is when they quit coming to church. Um, They start listening to the crowd at work or the crowd on TV or the crowd they hang out with instead of listening to the crowd in the stands, the communion of saints, and hearing the, the shouts of those who have already gone ahead, hearing them with the ears of faith, those who have already come into God's presence and have faithfully served. I'm um, so encouraged by our colleague in Egypt, in Aswan, uh, Mina Safwat and his wife, Dina. Uh, they're from Cairo. So in Egypt, the Egyptians call Cairo Egypt because that's where everything happens. That's where life is. That's They call it the place of dreams. That's where you want to be. You want to be in Egypt, where in Cairo, where it's happening. And uh, where you don't really want to be is way down at the dead end, the last stop where the train tracks end, down in Aswan. It's a great place to visit on a tour, but you wouldn't want to live there. It's nowhere. And uh, so Mina and Dina... Uh, told their family, they told their friends that they were getting ready to move down to Aswan and join the mission down there. And people tried to convince them, no, 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 you shouldn't do this. You know, you're throwing away your career. You're throwing away your opportunities. Mina, you're a talented preacher. You're a talented minister. You're capable in so many ways. You have opportunities in Cairo. Why would you go to Aswan? But it was that call to the unreached people's that, we, that we're close to down there in Aswan that brought them down there. I'm so grateful that they're putting aside the things that distract and focusing on the race. So the motive, the first motive is the crowd, the crowd of witnesses, the cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. The second motive is the pace setter. And so he says, Look and see Jesus who has gone ahead. In a race, a long-distance race, for example, there will be a runner who is assigned, part of the team, 
to sacrifice his own ability to win by running faster than he really can do for that race and setting a pace that causes everyone to try a little harder. And uh, that's the pace setter. And eventually in the race, the elite runners come and they overtake the pace setter and they move on. Of course, for us, we'll never overtake our pace setter. He, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who has set the pace. He shows us the course by his life and we follow his example. And that's one of the ways that we're em empowered and enabled to endure. So he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So, focusing on Jesus. Um, Jesus is the one who tells us, take up your cross and follow me. We, we, to, to follow Christ, to follow him, is to accept suffering, to run with endurance and pain, is to endure the opposition and the difficulty. These are the two things that we see about Jesus I as we look at his example. We see that he endured the cross um, for the joy set before him. So he kept the perspective of the promises. He kept the perspective of the joy. He was looking ahead. He was living by faith. He trusted God's promises, and he kept going. So that's our example. If he lived by faith, that's how we live. And, um, I mean, it's great to have all those people in the crowd. It's great to have all those people in Hebrews 11. It's great to have all these people around us who are living by faith. But we have the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and lived for us and went ahead of us, and he he focused on the joy that was set before him. And he endured the cross. He scorned the shame. You know, he knew how to prioritize. You know, he, he wanted to make sure that everybody, you know, was interested in him and liked him and would listen to him. And he did things to in, engage people and to, to uh, you know, fit, fit in and get along. But that wasn't his priority. He knew how to prioritize. And the important thing is the important thing. And if they're putting him to shame, so be it. Uh, I love how Paul puts this prioritization in sort of his philosophy of life in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Paul describes how he prioritizes the important things and he doesn't get distracted by other things. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So pursue it. 
pursue the pace setter. Follow him. He sets the course. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the means. That's the guidance that we're being given. Fix your eyes. He says it twice. He says it in verse 2. He says, starts verse 2 saying, looking to Jesus. As you run this marathon, you're looking to Jesus. You're keeping your eyes on the course that he has set. And then he repeats it again at the beginning of verse 3. Consider him. And that's the advice he's giving us. That's the guidance he's giving us. How are you going to endure? How are you going to see the race through to its end? Look to Jesus. Consider him. And he's our example. So Jesus is our joy. He's the joy set before us. When we reach heaven, we won't be looking at our crowns and seeing how great they are or our wonderful robes and how wonderful they are. Our eyes will be on the Lamb and will be gathered around him to sing, Worthy is the Lamb. So keep on course. Stay on the path he has laid out for you. Run the race marked out for you. October 22nd, 2017 it was a big day in the life of italian marathon runner ayub faniel he was running in the venice marathon uh, it starts off in you know in 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 one of the rural towns and sort of goes through a lot of picturesque italian towns finally crosses the liberty bridge and ends in the heart of venice um, somewhere about 16 miles in the motorcycle guide who was leading the, the, the head runners, the runners who were at the very front, he took the wrong turn. And they all followed him a few hundred yards and then realized their mistake and turned around and ran back. But Ayub Feniel, well, he was a local boy. He knew the course. And you know you're supposed to study the course. You're supposed to follow the course. You're not just supposed to follow the motorcycle guide well, he followed the course, and he got ahead, and they never caught up with him. One of, the, one of those lead runners managed to come in fourth place. But, uh, so it was a great day. It was the first time in 22 years that an Italian had won. You know, all of these Kenyans who were there you know, had, had gone off, uh, off the track. Stay on course. It doesn't matter where other people are going. Follow Jesus. Follow his path. So the first motive is the crowd and the second motive is our pace setter. Even if it's hard, this is the way that the Lord Jesus has gone and this is the way that the Lord Jesus has set for us in his love for us and in his faithfulness to us. And then the third motive is the opposition, your opponent. Look at who you're fighting against. And so we come to verse 4. It's just a simple sentence. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And so it's a little bit hard to get exactly what he's saying. I think, I think he's still using the, the metaphor of the games, but we've moved on to a different event. We've left the marathon behind and we've moved into the boxing ring or they had a, they had a couple different kinds.
kinds of, of struggle, fight, matches that they did. There was, of course, the, the wrestling, the Greek wrestling, and there was a kind of boxing they did, and then they had a mixed martial arts, which was the roughest of all. Um, and uh, so you see the vocabulary here in verse 4. The, the verb used to describe the activity in your struggle against sin. It's antagonizomai. In your antagonism or your struggle, your fight against sin. It would be a word that could be used for uh, fighting. And, uh, and then the reference to shedding blood. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So what does it mean? It, I mean, usually when it talks about shedding blood, Christ shed his blood for us, it means he died. And so if the writer is saying, hey, you guys haven't resisted sin to the point of death, well, that's obviously true because he wouldn't write a letter to them if they had. So it must mean something else. And uh, I think what it is is the, the fights in the, in the games in those days were blood sport. In fact, when the Romans came and took over, they weren't content just to have boxing gloves. They, they, uh, they implanted little lead studs in the boxing gloves to, to do more damage and to make it more of a spectacle. And so there were those who would enter the ring and kind of dance around and try to avoid getting hit. And it's very, very hard to win the match without attacking your opponent. And so the writer is saying, get in there and fight. Only one is going to leave victor. One is going to leave vanquished. Come on and fight like you mean it. Are you serious about this? Your enemy is. So we have an enemy who is fighting against us. And, um, and uh, it's, it's someone to take seriously. But you don't fight sin alone. So in the book of Romans, Paul says how we don't fight sin alone. He says, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. So there's the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to fight. I love the illustration of this from um, uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. The pilgrim is on his journey to heaven and he stops at the house of interpreter and interpreter shows him, you know, a number of, uh, of things that sort of give him spiritual lessons. And one of them, he comes into a room and here's a big fire burning in the hearth. And there's someone who's continually trying to douse the fire by pouring water on it. But the more he pours water on it, the more the fire just keeps burning. And it's a very strange thing. And uh, Pilgrim is puzzled about this until he's taken around to the other room and to see the other side of the fire. And there's someone putting oil on the fire. Every time the person puts water on, he puts oil on the fire. Interpreter explains that Satan is trying to douse our faith. But the Lord Jesus is secretly supplying his spirit to empower us to continue on. You don't fight alone. 
But fight. You have to fight. You haven't yet fought to the point of shedding your blood. What are you, dancing around the ring? Don't you see who your opponent is? You've got to get in there and fight. Fight or fail. The best uh, illustration of this that we encounter so often is uh, uh, recovering alcoholics. They don't, they don't try to do away with the stigma of alcoholism. They take it on the chin. Hi, my name is John Smith, and I'm an alcoholic. And then continue on from there. And uh, it's always a fight. They don't quit. Uh, throughout their life, it's always a struggle that they're in. Your enemy never quits. He's terrible. He's strong. He's fierce. He's deadly. <clears throat> and your sins don't fight alone. They tag team. There's the sins of the flesh and there's the sins of the heart. There's the lust. There's the anger. There's the, the, um, the fear. There's uh, the pride. And they, they take turns. There's the world. There's the flesh. There's the devil. You think you've defeated one and then another one comes and gets you from the side. And just when you've got the bloodied corpse lying on the ground, up he comes and he's ready to fight again, stronger than ever. So you have to keep up with the fight. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Get in there and fight it out. Defeat that sin. And the power of Christ's resurrection is at work in you. God means you to win. He means you to have victory. So hear the crowd and be encouraged. Hear the crowd and let your heart be stirred. Look to the, the path that Jesus has gone before you. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Keep considering him. And, uh, and endure as he endured. Set your heart on the joy that's set before you, just as he did. And win the fight.